our scripture passages, we continue a very short series on the family taken from Acts, is taken from Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 42, and continuing through the end of the chapter. I would encourage you, if you have a Bible, to turn and read along as I read aloud from God's Word. This is a description of the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let us pray. Dear Lord, as we come to your word, it is with a sense of excitement, because your word is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, to work in our hearts, in our bodies, in our minds, Lord, to accomplish the purpose which you have set for it. We ask, Lord, that your word this morning might, with power, work upon us, that we might submit to your word with gladness and with joy, that you have given us something that has power over our lives and that is accurate and sure to bring us blessing as we are obedient to it in obedience to you. We ask, Lord, that as we devote our attention to your word, that my words might be faithful to your word, because your word alone is holy. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, as we began looking at this passage, we began to apply it in a way in which it is not usually applied, and began to apply it to the blood family. It's always applied to the spiritual family. There's a relationship in between those two. One part of the message can be summarized by affirming There is no virtue to be found in dedication or devotion. There is no virtue to be found in dedication or devotion. I'm continuing on with this, so don't jump on that sentence. But as we saw in our introduction to this subject and passage last week, these are wonderful traits. Persistence, dedication, devotion. However, in and of themselves, there is no virtue inherent in the trait of single-mindedness. Single-mindedness, devotion, dedication must be pointed in the right direction. They must be pointed in the right direction or there is no value in them. On Friday afternoon, I received one of those distressing calls that you receive at work when someone's at home. And hopefully it doesn't happen in your home very often. Sandy called up and said that she heard water running and she had looked around the house and I commend her for this because having your ears tuned to what's going on around you whether it's in a car or in her home is a very valuable thing that can save you hundreds of dollars so she heard water running she looked around the house and she'd heard it for a while and she realized the washing machine wasn't running the dishwasher wasn't running None of the faucets were running. The girls hadn't left the outside faucets running, even though she had to go and check the front one twice. So she called me up and said, well, guess what? (laughs) We have got a leak. 
And then going down to the basement, she found that the basement floor, there was water gushing in the basement. Fortunately, they're drained, so it only gets to a certain level, and we already know that, so everything's put up on pieces of wood. But water was gushing in. What did I think about this? (laughs) Well, you can imagine what I thought about it. I was very distressed. Did you check this? Yes. Did you try this? Yes. Would you please go downstairs and turn this spigot off, this this, uh, cutoff valve off? Would you go turn that cutoff valve off? Is it still running? Yes. Go turn that one off. I can't turn it off. Well, turn the next one off. So we went through this. You can imagine how it goes. (coughs) By the time she had cut off every cutoff valve (coughs) that was listed, the water was still running. So I sent her to the main and said, please turn off the main. A mobile home phone works at this point, you understand. Yeah. <laughs> sent her to the main and told her to turn off the main. She turned off the main. Quiet. Okay, well, we know one thing. And the one thing that we know is, leave the water off until I get home. <laughs> so I got home, and on Friday evening, I spent three or four hours looking for where this leak was. I looked everywhere to find a cutoff valve to a particular spigot, the outside front spigot. It goes under 15, 20 feet of house that you can't get to anyway. I looked everywhere. I tried all of the cutoff valves six or seven times. I replaced a cutoff valve. Nothing worked. Well, when I got to be early Saturday morning, I finally went to bed. And I said to Sandy as I got into bed, please call a plumber. (laughs) This one is beyond me. I can't handle this one. (coughs) So the next morning, (coughs) she told me she'd call a plumber, and wonder of wonders, he was going to be there within an hour. And he was, which I commend him for with great commendations. (coughs) And so I decided I had to be someplace, but I'd stick around a little bit and work with him on telling him what I knew and what I didn't know because that can save time if you say, well, this is this and that, that's that and this doesn't work and that doesn't work. Well, finally, after he had gotten nowhere, I left and he and his helper worked for a total of two and a half hours working, trying to find a pipe that would cut off the outside spigot that we knew there was a leak in someplace under the floor. When I got back... Sandy said, well, he found nothing. He found nothing, although he suggested bringing in a jackhammer and jackhammering up the floor in your office, the tile floor in your office. So well, I'm glad you didn't let him do that. <laughs> There's got to be a cutoff valve. But he did suggest bringing in a man who has sound equipment, whatever it is, will pinpoint where the problem is. I said, okay, well, that sounds good. That man was there within an hour. Wonder of wonders, two plumbers. Call three plumbers and you get two there within an hour. How do you like that? I'll give you their names. (laughs) This man came into the house. I took him downstairs. I explained everything to him. Within 15 minutes, the leak was gone. 15 minutes, the leak was gone. He was working with the same situation I'd been working with. He was working with the same situation the first plumber and his helper had been working with. He had it off. Actually, from about five minutes of when he hit the basement, he had found the cutoff valve and turned it off. 
How did he succeed? Where I had failed miserably, and the other plumber had failed miserably, having spent over eight hours looking intently for this pipe and this cutoff valve. He succeeded because he looked in the right place. We didn't lack dedication. I didn't lack motivation. I can assure you I was more motivated than any of the other people there. But he found what we had all been looking for and had missed because he looked in the right place. He looked in the right way and he knew what to look for. So as we look at this passage and we consider this passage in relation to the family, the thing that we need to realize is again this message. Dedication and devotion count for nothing if we are not focusing them in the right place. And what we do as we come to Scripture is we find God's Word tells us where to look. God's Word tells us how to focus ourselves and our families in such a way that the results will be sure if we do it as we are told. In the New Testament, Paul spoke of the value of dedication when he addressed the value of physical training, saying this, physical training is of some value. Yes, physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. As we look more in depth at this passage, in its connection to the state of the family today, In the renewal of the healthy Christian family, we see that the early church had this characteristic of devotion. The early church had single-mindedness. The early church had dedication. And in keeping with the words of the Lord written by Paul, they had focus in the right direction. That is what this passage is all about. They had focus on those things that would lead them to the proper result. Dedication and physical training, dedication in any other sphere of life is wonderful. Dedication is very important, as we'll see as we look further at this passage. Devotion is important, but it does not have eternal value unless it is focused on the things of God. And so that is what we find as we look at this passage. What are the things of God? What do we need to be devoted to as people who desire to trust in Christ and as people who desire His blessing to be reflected in our lives as individuals, in our families, and in our church. First, look with me at the significance of devotion as it is expressed in our passage. Devotion. What are the words that could be used to say devotion? Many of them. Dedication, determination, single-mindedness, perseverance, persistence. These are all words that could be used to describe the people in the early church, as we see in our passage. Within the first few words, they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. That word, devoted. And as we look at what it means to be devoted to certain matters, whether it's the things that count, the right focus, or the things that don't count, the wrong focus, here are some of the thoughts that we find contained in this word, which our text translates as devoted. First it means, and the verb expresses this in its tense, it means continuous, continuing without stopping. In other words, devotion means something that is ongoing. It's not a moment in time. If I had decided after looking for half an hour, I was going to give up on that water leak, turn the water on and forget it. 
I'd hate to see my water bill. I think the drains could handle it, but I'd hate to see the water bill. Devotion is continuing. It is not something that stops. If you want to get any place as a runner, if you want to get any place in business, if you want to get some place in your family or in your faith, you realize it has to be a continuing effort. Not a short-term thing, because short-term efforts are not dedication or devotion, and they lead nowhere. What else do we see about <clears throat> this word devotion? It carries the meaning self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice. If you think about the Old Testament, and there's a word that's used in the Old Testament, when <clears throat> God told the Israelites that they were to destroy possessions of certain evil towns that they captured, they were to devote them to the Lord. And what that meant is God was asking for a sacrifice. They, all the possessions, they gathered the chairs together and the books and, and everything. And they burned them <clears throat> completely up. That is an idea that is behind this word devotion. It means self-sacrifice. It doesn't mean a partial giving. Well, I'm sort of committed to this. A little bit. For certain times... It means a total, complete dedication of oneself to these matters. And the third meaning <clears throat> is a willingness to go on with this devotion without being stopped regardless of the difficulties. Now all of these so things sort of are inter interwoven. <clears throat> per perhaps perseverance might be the way to characterize this meaning of the word translated as devotion. In other words, yes, things do get tough. As I try to focus on the right things and devote myself to them, things will get tough along the way. But if I am truly devoted, then I will stay devoted, despite the hurdles that I have to jump to get there. We observe in the teaching that God gives us here, not only instructions that will be a blessing to our churches, to the body of Christ, but we also observe things that we must focus on in order for our families to benefit from our faith in Jesus Christ. Do you and I see the importance of continued devotion? Then the important thing to realize is that we will have to make our own commitments. We will have to be committed ourselves. We can't rely upon someone else to make us devoted unless we want to think of the Old Testament side of things and burn ourselves up or get someone to... And that's ridiculous. It means self-sacrifice. It means that you and I must say in our heart of hearts, I am committed to this. Devotion is not something that I can do for you, or your neighbor can do for you, or another family member can do for you. It is something that must begin in internally. It must be worked out externally. It starts at home, in my heart. So as we look at this passage, we see the things that count in the church and the things that count in the family, and they are this. The early church focused themselves on the apostles' teaching. They focused themselves on the fellowship. They focused themselves on the breaking of bread, and they focused themselves on prayer. Let's look at the first action to which we must be devoted and realize that as we look at this list together, the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of the bread, and prayer, it's important to realize that all of these are actions. Now, prayer includes words, but it's an action. All of them are actions. We like sometimes to think that devotion is so wonderful when people say, 
For instance, I love you. I'm committed to you. I will always be with you. These are words of devotion. But the way in which devotion is carried out is through actions. Words by themselves have no significance. And so recognize that these four things to which the early church devoted themselves to were actions. Not words by themselves, but actions. They were devoted first and foremost to the apostles' teaching, and this is the one we are going to look at today. What does this mean? I'm going to dissect this thing with such a fine-tooth comb. If you come up with something else that I've missed, please tell me afterwards. This is not exhaustive. As they say, it may be exhausting, but it's not exhaustive. However, it is looking at it with a fine-tooth comb. What does it mean that the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching? It means that they devoted themselves to proper and godly appointed authority. They listened to the apostles. They paid strict attention as the apostles taught and applied God's lessons to their lives in personal situations. These people did not go, we did not find in this passage that these people went out into the woods to listen to the wind going through the trees in order to find out what God was teaching them. They were not seeking selectively each one as an individual to find out God's specific word for that individual that it would be different from God's specific word to other individuals and contradictory. But instead, they listened to the apostles' teaching. <clears throat> and this means that we as family members <clears throat> need to recognize God's authority structure in our families just as much as we must in His church. Those who have been given authority, (coughs) husbands and fathers first and foremost, then mothers, must exercise authority by teaching God's Word and by learning it in order to teach it again. Now you may say to yourself, where in the world is he coming from? And speaking of devotion to proper and godly appointed authority, based on this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Well, what we see in this passage is that this is an explicit message as to how the people attended the teaching of the apostles. We have to ask ourselves, what were apostles? Why were they apostles? They were apostles because the Lord chose them. He had them as his closest companions and followers for the three years of his ministry. In certain extraordinary cases, like the case of Paul, the Lord revealed himself individually and miraculously to Paul in order that Paul might learn from him. And so we see just by this word apostle that these men had been given authority and instruction to begin the church from Christ. And without that authority and that instruction and the power that we see evident in our passage, they didn't have anything to teach. There was nothing they could be teaching or should be teaching. In our day and age, the importance of God-given authority is nothing that we can skip over as though it is unimportant because lack of authority fills our society. I remember in my family growing up that uh, from time to time, my parents were not in favor of what the various presidents that we had were doing or saying. 
The one thing my father was extremely strict on, he was always president so-and-so. We always used the title. We were always to speak of the person filling that office with respect. And I look at, look at the way that I look at things today and realize that I've come a long way from there. I'm part of our culture and part of our society. And I don't like the ways in which I've changed since those days when I was taught differently by my father. <clears throat> but I see in myself what we all see in ourselves and in the culture. That we have a great lack of respect for leadership in our culture. Just as the apostles were God's leaders charged with the authority and responsibility to begin and lead the church, God established others in leadership in the church to lead and teach by godly example, as we are told in Ephesians 4, <clears throat> beginning with verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, the initial leadership, beginning leadership of the church, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's word, God's people, for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. We see not only that God establishes authority in the church, as this passage is specifically speaking about in the apostles, but he also establishes authority in the government and secular society. And he is the one who authorizes it. He tells us in Romans that we are to respect the authorities of our government. We are not to show disrespect for them or disobedience unless they tell us and contradict what God tells us to do. Other than that, we are to be the best citizens, the best citizens in the society. And in the same way he established authority in the church and in, <clears throat> and in society, he established a hierarchy of authority in the home in which he delegates primary authority to the husband and father and secondary authority to the mother. When this delegation of authority is refused by those with primary res responsibility in any realm, whether it's in the nation, whether it's in the home, whether it's in the church, when the authorities refuse to be the authorities... And when those who are under authority, which we all are in given circumstances, when those under authority refuse to follow authority, then the results are disastrous. And so we need to recognize the importance of this for home and family life in the same way we see its impact in the church and in society and culture at large. If you've ever been in a home where the children do as they please and not as they're told, <clears throat> and you quickly observe the terrible impact that the breakdown of authority has in the home. <clears throat> this is a case of those in authority, the parent or parents, not exercising their God-given authority. So it's important for us to realize, if you, whenever this happens in my home or you or I are someplace else where this happens. We realize chaos reigns. <laughs> I, Gus likes to tell this story about uh, a couple who were a friend of Gus and Faye's in, in New York and New Jersey who adopted a child. And prior to their adoption of this child, they had statuary all over their home. Statues of this and busts of that and very fancy collection. Well, when they adopted a child, it wasn't shortly after that that they gave the child a hammer. <laughs> and they didn't make any connection. <laughs> Those of you who are laughing have made the connection between the hammer and the statues. 
But they didn't quite make a very quick connection between the statue and the hammers, which the child did. And the child quickly made an even better connection between the hammer and the statues until they moved the statues. <laughs> I could just picture that home with pieces of statues, arms and legs and noses all over the floor. <laughs> but we see that authority is extremely important. <clears throat> Whether we are the ones who are to exercise it or we are to the ones who are to obey it. It is crucial. <clears throat> Where God has given you or me authority, we must exercise it wisely and responsibly as He would direct us, never refusing to accept the challenge and responsibility that is ours, whether or not we accept it. While we, <clears throat> when God has given others the responsibility over us, we must be submissive to their authority despite what it costs in pride. What do we see these people devoted to as well as godly authority? We see them devoted to God's word. For that is what the apostles were teaching. They taught what we read in the New Testament about the life of Christ, how Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, about the life of faith for every believer and all that is contained in Scripture. And as we see this, we must recognize that they devoted themselves not to man's teaching. They were not devoting themselves to the opinions of these men, but instead they were devoting themselves to something much higher than that. They were devoting themselves to God's Word, the words of the Lord that the Lord had taught these men and continued to teach them that they might speak right, rightly, that they might write correctly, accurately reflecting in every instance, God's word. Not their own word, not their own opinions, separate and different from God's word, but instead God's word. And so as we realize that we are to be devoted in our churches, in our homes, as individuals to God's word, it puts us in the right mind to be attentive. When someone is telling you how to change the oil on your car, when someone is telling you how to do a woodworking project when someone is telling you how to make a dish on your menu sometimes we find ourselves not listening all that well but we say well, that's okay I can get the recipe I can go get a book I can ask again but when we realize that these people are devoting themselves to God's word and we're devoting ourselves to God's word then we realize why it is so important that we be devoted and not just half-hearted. <clears throat> How does this filter down into our lives? <clears throat> it filters down into our lives in this way. <clears throat> you and I are to be responsible and exercise our responsibility for seeing to it that those under our authority are taught by God's Word. Not that we are telling them all our opinions and saving God's word for them to read by themselves or find elsewhere. We are to focus them on what will grant them success in this life as well as success in the life to come. <clears throat> we must be responsible for teaching this in a devoted way. Half-heartedness won't do. Once a week is not setting a priority of focusing people on the things that will grant spiritual salvation. 
And for fathers, leaving this responsibility up to the mother is not taking the responsibility as God has given it to us. We must direct our attention as a family towards the priority of God's Word. And as we understand our responsibilities better, we understand how church life and home life should dovetail into one another. Not only should we strive to teach those in our home God's Word, but we must also strive to be continuing to learn God's Word Otherwise, we are dying on the vine while we are trying to teach others how to grow. But we must not just teach God's Word as in reading it to people or having them read it for themselves. Because God's Word only has effect when it is put into effect in our lives. And so that's where the discussion comes into effect. For instance, you'll see most every week an insert into your bulletin regarding the sermon passage and some of the thoughts in it. Material for discussion. How do you get from the printed page to the lived out life? Part of the way that happens is by discussion. By saying, exactly what does this mean? If the pastor has gone through it and it sounded like a theological treatise and you said, but what does it mean? Well then, think about it. Talk about it. Talk about it with the pastor if you want. Talk about it with one another. Did that make sense? What does it mean? What does God's Word mean in this passage? The important thing is that we not become experts in God's Word, but we become experts in living out God's Word. And so I would encourage you as you consider this and the importance that it has for your family, consider the effect of devotion on your life. Ask yourselves, what am I devoted to? Am I devoted to those things that will lead me to a good result? Or am I devoted to that focus which will lead me to eternal life and eternal blessing? And as you study these things, realize that it is God's Word. As it is taught and applied in individual lives, in home life, in church life, that is going to bring us a sure and certain result. If you devote yourselves, if I devote myself, then we will find the blessings occurring in our lives just the same as they were in the life of the early church. The people in the community were filled with awe because of the way in which these people were putting into effect what they were learning. They were actually sharing their possessions. Wow! People looked at this and they said, I can't believe that. That's so unusual. What if so-and-so breaks it? What if so-and-so uses it up? Well, that's what they meant to happen. And so they were filled with awe and the church added to their number on a regular daily basis. If we want to have our families be family lives of great blessing, we will devote ourselves to God's Word. Let's pray. Dear Father, teach us your lessons from your Word that our families and our lives as individuals might be blessed we might not find ourselves pursuing those things that have good value such as physical training but instead we might find ourselves pursuing those things which have eternal value which is godliness so that we might find that we are laying up treasures not just treasures here on this earth but instead that we are laying up treasures for the life to come in Jesus name Amen